Welcome back to the District Download, folks. My name is Mateo A. Cena, one of your hosts for tonight's episode. Today is episode 27, and oh boy, we got a good one for you tonight. We're joined by Ben Baldwin, running for the Virginia House of Delegates in the 31st District. Ben is a former captain in the Marine Corps and believes community is key to common sense policies. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed during today's episodes are our own and in no way represent the views, opinions, or policy positions of our respective employers. This is meant to be a free exchange of topics relevant to the YRs based in the D.C. area and beyond. Don't at me. With that being said, on with the show. I want to welcome today another special guest to the podcast, another candidate as part of our candidate profile series. He is Ben Baldwin, candidate for Virginia House of Delegates in the 31st District. Uh, He's a Virginia Tech graduate with a degree in history. He served as an officer in the United States Marine Corps, ultimately reaching the rank of captain over his 10-year career. He currently works as a financial advisor. He's also a husband and father, and he's also have proud memberships with the Prince William Chamber of Commerce, Veterans Council, and Economic Development Committee, and he's also part of the American Legion. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. We're glad to have you. So right off the top, let's get into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about what our listeners should know about you as well as your campaign. Let's hear it. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm actually one of those rare birds that was actually born and raised here in Northern Virginia. You know, this tends to be kind of a transient area where folks come in from all over. Uh, but I was born in Arlington, uh, lived in Alexandria uh, until 1992, and then grew up out in Fairfax County in Centerville. I served in the Marine Corps for 10 years, uh, where my job was to uh, be an F-18 weapons systems officer. So think like Goose from Top Gun, you know, the backseater and the Hornet. Did you have a mustache? Uh, <laughs> I did for a while. Uh, there, It was actually a tradition in, in the military when we would go on deployment, you would grow the mustaches. So we all looked like, you know, state troopers, uh, you know, whenever we would be gone. Uh, those things were amazing yet gross, and sometimes it was good to get rid of them. Um, but yeah, I, I did that. My, my resume would just read, you know, like goose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we are we are subtle about it on the website. We actually have a thing that says "Think Goose from Top Gun," so so we're we're ready for it. Uh, but but yeah, I did that for ten years. Uh, primarily was stationed in Japan, uh, Marine Corps Air Station Iwakuni, which is towards the southern part of the country. Uh, and from there, we go on what's basically called a uh, permanent Western Pacific or Westpac is the, the shortened version of it, where, I mean, all over the place, Australia, Guam, Okinawa, the Philippines, uh, Thailand, Singapore, uh, just all over the place, you know, flying, deployed, all that kind of stuff. And it was an incredible time. Uh, we actually had our son uh, when we were out there in Japan. He was born at the Navy base in Yokosuka, which is just outside of Tokyo. Uh, and it was, you know, a wonderful time, especially because I got to work with the best that our nation has to offer, which is, you know, America's sons and daughters are our Marines. So that was, that was pretty incredible. That's great to hear. You've been here, you've been there, you've been a little bit of everywhere, it seems. So, but now you're back home as being a local boy, as you mentioned, uh, you're a local guy. So tell us a little bit about what led you to get involved in politics. So you, you've had a military career, you've had a business career. Why politics? Was it something you came upon accidentally or has it been something you've always had in the back of your mind that you knew you always wanted to do? Yeah. So, you know, my father was a deputy sheriff here in Alexandria and my mother is actually still working as a uh, Catholic school principal. So one thing with that is I didn't get away with much when I was a kid, um, <laughs> but the, Hell yeah. the other, Hell yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it was, it was very yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. When I was growing up. Uh, but the other big thing with that was this concept of service. 
right? You know, service to my country and service to my community. Uh, and so I served in the military for 10 years. I now work as a financial advisor where I'm serving my community and my neighbors, helping them with the big problems in their life of can they retire? You know, how do they form a budget? Can they send their kids to school? And so the way that I look at this is, you know, that service doesn't leave you just because you take the uniform off. Uh, and so I feel like we need some leadership uh, down in Richmond who understand that, who understand that it's, it's a servant leadership mindset. Uh, and so that's been a big motivator for me to, to really make sure that Virginia gets back on track uh, and then we can move forward together as, as a, you know, the Commonwealth that we ought to be. And that goes without saying, uh, we thank you, of course, for your service. Thank you for what you've done for our country. And I'm curious to know a little bit now, uh, as a follow-up, how did your experience in the military influence you uh, in terms of leadership skills and just with the campaign thus far in terms of political skills? Yeah, I mean, the, the two big things that came out of my time in the, in the military that are definitely applicable to, to politics is one, the idea of we have to take the hill, right? And you have to work with whoever you can uh, in order to accomplish the mission. And so my mentality is that as, uh, as a candidate and also as a, you know, hopefully here come November 2nd as a delegate is, you know, I wanna work with whoever I can to accomplish things for people here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, my, my belief is that as long as what's being offered is within the bounds of the constitution, can be proven to benefit the people of Virginia. And most importantly, we can pay for it because we don't get to print money like they do in, in, uh, on Capitol Hill, then it's my job to work for that. But if the answer to those questions are no, then it's my job to oppose it. Uh, and the other big thing is adaptability. Uh, one of the things we always would say in the, in the military is, you know, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Um, you know, there's, we, you can have a plan for what you want to do. You can have a game plan for what you want to talk about, but then you're going to go talk to a, a voter or a constituent, or you're going to get a question thrown at you and it's going to be a curveball. Um, and so kind of knowing the basics for your own personal philosophy and, and what you believe, uh, can help to guide you in those situations, uh, and can sometimes lead to some very interesting moments, uh, where, you know, there's a little bit of tap dancing that might have to happen. Uh, but at the same token, as long as you're rooted in, in the understanding of what you want to accomplish, um, then you can usually do no wrong. And I think that's been something that's really helped me uh, as we've gone through this process. So it's a little bit of know thyself, but also anticipate the unknown. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to have a 100% plan for everything. We'd always talk about, you know, uh, having a 70% plan that you could execute today is better than a 100% plan that you execute two weeks from now. Uh, sometimes you just have to roll with the punches and, and, and go where it lands, but know what the ultimate objective is and what you want to do. And then everything in between is how you get there. You, you always got to admire the pragmatism that comes from people running for state house or local office. It's, it's you get, you get, you know, especially people running for like city council, you get these weird coalitions that can crop up because you're, 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 you are playing party politics. You are registering as a political party, but a lot of times in lower races, it's where you can form very interesting uh, coalitions of people that wouldn't naturally come together for a statewide race or a national race because of the, uh, the nature of a community. Uh, speaking of communities, you're a, you're not, you're a member of several community organizations. Uh, besides the obvious military service, uh, can you describe the ways you've served your community uh, prior to getting involved in politics? 
Yeah, so I serve on the uh, Prince William County Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I'm on the Veterans Committee and the Economic Development Committee. Obviously, as a veteran myself, those issues really do matter uh, for me uh, to make sure that our veterans get uh, taken care of. Actually, one out of every 11 Virginia residents is a veteran. We have one of the highest veteran populations out of any state in the country, which makes sense given everything that's close by to us. Uh, and so making sure that veteran businesses have what they need, you know, I really do believe in the idea that, you know, true uh, liberty, true, true freedom comes from having money in your wallet. Uh, and because that then gives you the power of choice. And so for me, making sure that, you know, we have a business community and an environment where you can start a business, you can hire an employee, you can get that pay raise because you, you've earned it and you've worked for it. Um, all those things matter to me as making this place the, the best place to live and the best place to run a business. And so I do a lot of that on the Veterans Committee, finding out about veterans issues and how I can help. And then also on the Economic Development Committee. So that way I know kind of what's going on here in the county and how I can best be of service. And I wanted to highlight just because uh, I know in your bio, you're a member of the American Legion. Just out of curiosity, are you familiar at all with the, uh, the American Legion Boys State Program? Uh, has that something you've been involved with or is that something in, uh, Virginia is involved with? I'll have to double check that off the top of my head. I know uh, I've been very busy as of late uh, with the campaign stuff. So some of my you know, Legion uh, activities maybe have you know, fallen short, but any opportunity that you can have to have civil service, you know, working on, in a public way uh, to help out, whether that's through the American Legion, whether that's through Boy Scouts, whether that's really through any sort of civil, uh, civil group, that, that serves to help every, you know, the nation as a whole, because that's really where a lot of the foundation uh, for what helps our American democracy comes from. Actually, I think it was Alexis de Tocqueville, here's the history major coming through, uh, who talked about when he came to visit America in the 1840s, the, the, the thing that made America unique in the world, and, and the reason why he thought that the American experiment with democracy would succeed is because we had so many uh, small civil groups and civil organizations that ingrained in us the idea of democratic governance and, and, and representative government, you know, from your HOAs to your Boy Scouts to, you know, you know pick, pick your group. Uh, you know, the, the concept is the same, even though the, the method that we may do that might change, whether it's through Facebook affiliations uh, or the like. And so anything that we can do uh, to promote that and keep that, that culture, um, no matter what the organization is, I think is a wonderful thing. Absolutely. Definitely. And we're definitely going to need to do an episode on it sometime uh, when we're done with all the candidate profiles. But one of the one of the most, in my opinion, consequential things happening in America right now that nobody is talking about is sort of the death of community and sort of the death of civic society. Uh, there's a very great book called Bowling Alone. I can't remember who it was, but it was called Bowling Alone, where it's basically like, hey, 20 years ago, there were bowling clubs and civic organizations. And, you know, you kind of, you, you know, you, you went every Thursday to your rotary meeting. Mm -hmm. And now all of those are functionally non-existent. And what that means for society, it's, it's a, um, it's something I think we're seeing a lot of very negative effects now. So it's, it's very heartwarming to see uh, that there are still people that are focused and, and uh, looking to fix that or at least running on it. And speaking of running, you are running. Uh, you're not only one person who's running, you're one of uh, the first time in a very long time, all 100 delegate districts in Virginia having a GOP nominee running at the same time. So transitioning a little bit, 
Uh, can you share with our listeners what led you initially to throw your hat in the ring for the 31st delegate district seat, which comprises of Prince William and, and Fauquier counties? Yeah. So like I said, I, I'm a Virginian at heart, born and raised here. And that matters because of Virginia's place in our nation's history. You know, we are the place where, you know, the Revolutionary War was won. We are the state where the most presidents have ever come from. Uh, we were on the front lines of the, the fight in the Civil War with a Supreme Court case, Loving versus Virginia, which ended uh, all the anti-miscegenation laws nationwide. Um, you know, we, Virginia matters. Uh, American history is Virginia history. Uh, and so that's something that's been instilled in me from, from a young uh, age. And, you know, over the past year and a half, we've seen a lot of challenges uh, that we've all faced here. COVID's knocked us all for a loop and, and tragically here in Virginia has cost the lives of 13,000 of our, our fellow citizens, uh, at least. And, you know, we look to our elected leaders in these times of, of need and, and times of trouble uh, to, to be our guiding light. And sadly, a lot of them have fallen short. Uh, and so for me, this is the idea of service, the idea of putting others before myself. And, you know, if, if I'm not going to do it, who is? And if now is not the time, when? Uh, and so sometimes you have to make that decision to act, that bias towards action, come what may. And I think that's been the most important part of this process is the decision to act, the decision to move forward. That's much more important than, you know, making some smart aleck post on, on a Facebook page and thinking to yourself like, hey, I showed them. Like, no, no, you really didn't. Um, it takes putting some skin in the game, putting, you know, being the man in the arena uh, to, to paraphrase uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Great quote. And speaking of that kind of guiding light uh, and being that you're very service-minded just because it runs in your family, what success do you think you could bring to the House of Delegates on behalf of your constituents? What, what do you think you could bring that your opponent isn't currently bringing right now to the table? I really think it's a pragmatic mindset. You know, it's the idea of what do we need to do to get the job done? What is, what is the mission and how can we accomplish that? It's something that I hinted on uh, earlier from one of your previous questions is the idea of, look, I'm going to work with whoever I can to make sure that the Commonwealth is better. Uh, and I'm going to do that regardless of party or ideology. Do I have my, my beliefs as a, as a Republican that, that formulate, you know, what I want to do? Yes, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, there's also local constituencies here uh, where, you know, maybe those beliefs uh, aren't, don't exactly coincide. And how, how do I work with them to make sure that I can get what they need uh, to, to benefit the people here in my district. At the end of the day, those are the people who I am responsible to. Uh, I'm not responsible to, you know, higher ups or things like that. I'm, I'm responsible for the, the families, the businesses, the men and women who reside in my district. Uh, they're my first duty and my first loyalty. Uh, and so I look forward to doing that and bringing that, you know, pragmatic, let's get the job done mindset to Richmond. And as you've been going around talking to your future bosses, aka your, your future constituents, have they been receptive of your message as you've been meeting with your voters? Um, has it been positive uh, when you've been walking around, uh, you know, the cul-de-sacs, neighborhoods, knocking on doors, making calls? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing, it doesn't hurt that I'm a Marine veteran. Uh, this is a where our district resides is right in between Fort Belvoir and Quantico. Uh, and so this tends to be a very veteran heavy, you know, military centric area of the, the state anyways. And so 
when I tell someone that I'm a Marine veteran, it's, you know, more often than not, it's the person I'm talking to is an Army veteran, Navy veteran, Air Force veteran, fellow Marine themselves. And so right there, we have that connection of, well, we all have to deal, we all dealt with the same stuff. We all wore the uniform at some point. Um, or even it's the spouse of a veteran, so they get it as well. And, and veteran spouses serve just as much as their, their veteran service members do, and sometimes even worse because they're not the ones who get deployed. They, they're stuck home while we're taking care of the business. And I can tell you for a fact from my wife, that was always a difficult thing. And she's been my rock through all of this stuff, like, like she always will be. Um, we do have a message, I think, just not even from the personal standpoint, uh, but from the what we want to see done in Virginia that really is resonating, a, a practical, pragmatic message of, look, cost of living here in Virginia is out of control, especially in Northern Virginia. Uh, and I want to help to lower taxes on everything from gasoline to groceries. Um, you know, I want veterans to actually keep more money in their pockets because interestingly enough, Virginia is one of three states uh, and the District of Columbia. So it's Virginia, California, Vermont, and DC, which taxes military pension, which just doesn't make sense. Uh, and so I know that's something that Glenn Youngkin, who is our candidate for governor, is looking to do to exempt it up to $40,000 of military pension. I think that's a wonderful beginning, uh, especially again, because one out of every 11 Virginians is a veteran. I mean, it just makes sense. We want people who retire in Virginia from the military to stay here uh, and whatever we can do to make that happen, I wanna do. Well, speaking, speaking on that, uh, how, how are you feeling about the Youngkin ticket and the statewide tickets chances? Uh, has there been a coordination between your team and the statewide ticket in Northern Virginia? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we are, you know, in contact with the Yunkin team here in Prince William County uh, and Fauquier County. Uh, Prince William, as you may know, has around 500,000 people who live in, a, if I remember correctly, we're the second largest county uh, in Virginia in terms of population. Uh, and so we coordinate a lot with the, uh, the Yunkin team. Uh, I think statewide and locally, I think Virginians are interested in change. I think we've seen the past uh, years of governance under McAuliffe and under Northam, uh, and Virginians don't like where they are right now. Uh, we're seeing this nationally reflected as well, and I think there's a, there's an impetus and a mindset for you know what, let's let's give a change here. Uh, and I've you know spoken with uh, Glenn Youngkin. I've met with a lot you know him and a lot of folks on his team, and the the big takeaway that I have is is we're the ones who are coming through with a positive proactive message for what we want to do for Virginia. Uh, we're the ones who are looking forward, and, and I think that really matters. Um, and that that says a lot for you know the message and the time. Uh, and I think you know we I think things are going to look pretty good here for us in November. Well, speaking on that, the seat you the seat you're running for used to be a consistent Republican district for the for the better part of three decades with your uh, Democrat opponent flipping the seat in 2017. Uh, speaking on our past conversations on pragmatism and uh, you know working across the aisle, uh, what do you think it'll take to win this race and flip the seat back? Really, it's getting out there and putting the effort in. Uh, for a delegate race, you know, delegate seats consist of around 80 to 86,000 uh, residents. And for a delegate race, it's all about wearing out that shoe leather, uh, getting out there and talking to folks. Uh, my campaign, we've knocked on over 20,000 doors in the district. And myself, I've knocked on over 10,000 doors. And we started knocking on doors back in March. So this is retail politics at the delegate level. Uh, you are expected to be out there talking to folks. They want to see you at their doorstep. I can tell you the greatest thing that I always hear 
that I love is when someone starts with, you know, this is the first time a delegate candidate's ever knocked on my door. And I'm like, yeah, well, we should. We should be out here in the community. We should be out here talking to folks. Advertising is great. You know, TV and all that stuff. Yeah, sure, that's cool. But at the end of the day, you know, they want to see who you are. They want to talk to you. They want to get a sense of you. They want to get the idea that you know and listen. Uh, and so that's one of the things that I've made a real, you know, strive to do uh, to, to win that advantage. And I think that's going to pay dividends for us here in the fall. Everything goes well. Uh, you mentioned a couple of them. What are some of your day one legislative priorities? Yeah. So we talked a lot about the veterans initiative. Also things I want to do to help lower taxes uh, on utilities, on uh, gasoline to uh, do that 12 month suspension on the gasoline tax hikes that were passed by the previous general assembly. Uh, Virginia is one of 13 states that taxes groceries. Uh, and so looking to get rid of that, I think is a, is a good thing for all Virginians. Uh, in addition, you know, one of the things that COVID kind of did here was it changed a lot of the nature of work. And especially when that comes to things such as telework, a lot of people have found out that a lot of meetings could have been emails. Uh, and so one of the things that I want to do is look to greater incentivize telework options for not only employers, but employees. So that way people don't have to feel like they have to be on the roads uh, for anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour and a half, you know, stuck in traffic here in Northern Virginia, which is always atrocious. Um, I think that's good for a work-life balance. I think that's also good in the sense of keeping fewer cars on the road, which, hey, that means it's good for the environment because fewer cars on the road. Uh, also, it's good from the sense of you keep more money in your pocket. And so you can better spend that money here in uh, Woodbridge and Warrington uh, than, you know, spending it on express lanes or Metro Pass or whatever the case may be. Yeah, let's go off. Let's go off script for a second. Man, how many meetings could have just been emails? Yeah, that I'll is oh, wow. G going over my schedule. It it's so weird thinking about, you know, two years ago, you have like your 10 a.m. meeting, then your 3 p.m. meeting, then like your da 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 It's like, hey, y'all, this could have all been 15 minutes of my day. Yeah. And the thing that we're noticing is people are more efficient uh, when they're working from home for a lot of these jobs. And so what as a business owner, as an employer, what would you rather have? Would you rather have everybody in the room kind of working and, but, you know, sort of working, but there's a lot of, you know, fake work and, and office space, like, hey, the computer's up, but I'm playing Tetris. Um, or would you rather the job get done? And a lot of employers and employees are saying, I'd rather the job get done so I can go on with my day. Uh, and so I think that's, that's yeah. a big thing as far as the, the change in the nature of work. And I think we should embrace that. Yeah. We don't we don't need to get fully into it, and hopefully we'll have an economic episode on the, in the future. But it, but it's weird how, how there's so many obvious things that just the old the old order holds on. Like, hey, turns out if you pay people better, productivity goes up. If you don't have them going to work in a sad office, productivity goes up. If you give them you know this time off, it, it's it's you know people. People want to work. They don't want to do all of the annoying inconveniences that come from work. Plus, it means more but, time with the family, too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've ruined my pets. They're so needy now. <laughs> you spoiled your baby. Getting rock, back right? on track. Oh, God. Uh, uh, my dog existed through 
before the pandemic, so he's fine. But I adopted some cats a little while ago, and they're gonna just be full nightmares. Uh, get, getting getting back on track. Sorry for that diversion. Uh, uh, what advice do you have for wires living in the region that want to make a difference? Get out there and do it. Honestly, that's the biggest thing. You know, talk talk is cheap. Action is is the most important thing. I can guarantee you, there are delegate campaigns who would love to have volunteers, who would love to have the support, you know, from from anyone. Going out there and knocking on doors, uh, helping out when it comes to events, things like that. Those things, especially on a delegate race, mean a lot. They 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 make up for donations. They make up for for anything. Having troops on the ground, if you will. Uh, out there, that's that's always the biggest thing. So my push is always for volunteers, uh, having people to help out. I know we do big Saturday door knocks because that's you know, hey, we got a lot of time and we can talk to folks. That really is the biggest thing: is just get out and be active. Find a campaign, reach out to someone. I guarantee you that if you call up some campaign or email and saying like, hey, do you want me to come and knock doors with you? They're gonna say yes before you finish the sentence. So that's gonna be one of the biggest things yeah. that you can. People, you know, so, so many people think politics is this un, un, incredibly detached, oh, I'm never going to see this person. If you go on like three, almost, almost any level of politics, except maybe like senator or president, if you go on like three door knockings, almost guarantee you're going to get like five minutes alone with the candidate while you're working. It is it is not hard to get involved. Yeah, it's incredibly easy. So I encourage everyone to do that. That's hey, that'll be my shameless plug as well. You know, please come on, come on down and volunteer. We're happy to have you. We we got barbecue down here in Woodbridge. We'll take care of you. It'll be a good time. Yeah, yeah. and shameless plug for our friends down in PWC. Uh, they do a great job down there, and I I even think that there might even be a door knock coming up. So make sure uh, shout out. Uh, real quick to some of our wire friends in Virginia, make sure you're following their social. I know there's some stuff coming down the pike. They uh, do actually the um the Prince William YRs all, all candidates. Oh, there you all, go. all candidates are super humble when we when they come on the podcast. So I'll say it. Give Ben Baldwin time and money. <laughs> okay. Well, I won't say no. So there you go. He's in a campaign race. Come on. No, please don't. Oh, I'm I'm so mad. Yeah, that's fine. That'll work. That's great. <laughs> any any significant endorsements? Yeah, actually, um, we've got the endorsements uh, from uh, Janine Lawson, Pete Canlin, and Yesley Vega, who are the uh, Republican uh, members on the Prince William County Board of Supervisors. Uh, Congressman Rob Whitman, who represents uh, the first congressional district here uh, in Virginia. Also, uh, Delegate Michael Webert. Uh, who he's been very good, especially helping me out uh, with uh, Fauquier County and making lots of introductions uh, to folks out there because I, I live in Prince William and so I don't know Fauquier as well. Uh, he's done a lot to help me out with that to, to get me, you know, uh, up to speed and, and really, you know, working with more and more folks. So I really, you know, honored to have his endorsement. Uh, we also have endorsements from the Virginia chapter of the Police Benevolent Association. Uh, which that's a big honor for me, especially since my father was a deputy sheriff for 30 years. Uh, we also have endorsements from the National Federation of Independent Businesses. Um, we are endorsed by the uh, Farm Bureau AgPAC. Um, and uh, most importantly, my wife gave me the okay to do this. So that's the biggest endorsement of them all. Uh, because <laughs> There's no way in God's green earth I was, I was going to do this without her approval. Uh, so thankfully, she said yes. It was uh, funny when I told her I was going to do this. Her response was, 
you moron, I've been telling you to do this for years and you're only now listening to me. So that's <laughs> 11 years of marriage for you. Uh, sorry, honey, but I am listening now. So there you go. <laughs> that last endorsement is key. It's so, crucial. Crucial. You, you got to have it before you even start hitting the payment and knocking doors. So it's your first endorsement and the most important. Absolutely. I didn't ask her for money, though. I knew better than that. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> if anything, you're taking out to her fancy dinner uh, to say thank you. So <laughs> every day. Um, switching a little bit to kind of the campaign issues you're focused on. I've had, well, we've had a chance to take a look at your website and it looks like you're focused in on three, some of which you've already mentioned so far, but we really want to just touch on each. Um, so first is excellence in education, the economy and fully funding public safety. So starting with education, being that that is the huge ticket item these days in Virginia, especially in Northern Virginia, given all of the action that we've seen coming out of some of the school boards. And as a parent yourself, who is a child in elementary school, can you tell us a little bit about um, just your family's experience dealing with the challenges of virtual school and getting a little bit into what we've seen on the news in terms of just just activism at the local level with the school boards and how that ties into your campaign? Yeah, I mean, it was a challenge, not only for parents and our students, but uh, teachers as well. I can tell you that we have lots of friends of ours who are teachers and, you know, they, they want to deliver the highest quality education that they can. And they had to come up with lesson plans on the fly. They had to come up with multiple different plans, depending on whether it was going to be in person or virtual. And that's that's a challenge uh, for them. And so my, my hat's off to our, to our educators for doing that. Uh, you know, I, I saw with our son that it's kind of difficult to keep an eight-year-old in front of a screen for seven, eight hours a day. Uh, it's, it's a challenge, and, and we only have one kid. So, I, you know, I can only imagine what it's like for parents with multiple families. But we did see the learning loss that occurred over the past year and a half. We have seen drops in academic uh, scores and, and grading. Uh, and most importantly, it gave parents a window into, you know, what their children are, are being taught, uh, which led to a lot of what we're seeing here uh, recently at various school board meetings that have gotten national attention. Um, look, parents have a fundamental right uh, to the upbringing, education, and care of their children. Uh, and it's something that's absolutely important. Um, and this matters to me. Uh, because, you know, for what it's worth, you know, my wife is black and we have a mixed race son. And so the issues of, you know, racism and history and how those are taught in school are absolutely important to us because we want our son to be judged for who he is, not what he looks like. You know, that means we will absolutely teach about the history of the United States. I mean, to deny you know, some of the events in our, our history would be to deny history altogether. Um, but we have to remember with this that we are all of us trying to do what we can to adhere to what the preamble of our constitution says of forming a more perfect union. And so I, you know, I want this to be taught, but I want it to be taught in, in such a manner to understand what the ultimate goal is. You know, what are we trying to do to, to become better than that? And I think what parents are reacting to uh, is, you know, the opposite of that, of, of not taking these considerations into effect. And, you know, I, things can get heated uh, and they often do. We're, we're Americans, we're, we're a raucous people by our, our very nature. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's my job to help as far as 
setting the overall tone and the overall standard. So that way our children continue to get the best education in the, in the country because the children here in Northern Virginia aren't just competing with kids from Texas or California or Minnesota. They're competing with kids all over the world. Uh, and so we need to make sure that our education is top notch. So that way we set our children up for success because the better you are academically, the better the opportunities that you have later on down, uh, down the road in life. And, and that's a big thing for me. And as delegate, what will you do to help improve Virginia's education system? And what do you see as your role will register as the most immediate impact should you go down to Richmond uh, at the start of next year? Really, it's making up for the, the, the damage from, from lost time here over the past year and a half. Um, you know, I want to work with our local school boards, uh, our, our teachers and parents, and also uh, with folks in the General Assembly to find innovative ways to, to make up for that learning loss. I think keeping high academic standards is important. Um, it's one thing when you, you know, when you set the bar at 100 and a kid gets an 80, it's like, okay, well, you got a B, but you still passed. It's another thing entirely when you set the bar at a 60 and a kid gets a 40. It's like, well, now they failed. Uh, and so for me, you know, making sure that we maintain high academic standards, uh, making sure that we're not watering down curricula under the guise of equity. Uh, also making sure that our teachers, uh, you know, get pay increases, get uh, more funding for special education, um, all these different things which matter. Uh, because again, that helps at the local level. And so I'm willing to work with uh, my colleagues in the General Assembly, should I be elected, uh, to make sure that you know, we provide the resources that we need. And, and I'm willing to embrace out-of-the-box thinking uh, when it comes to what we can do. Uh, in addition, I don't think that a child's education should be determined based on tax bracket and zip code. Uh, and so if there is an opportunity uh, to look to increase uh, the voucher program so that way children of working families or lower income families are able to send their children uh, to a private education or maybe to a charter school. I'm looking to expand those here in Virginia. I'd want to do that. Um, my mother's a Catholic school principal and she has lots of uh, working in low income families who are able to go to her school because of the voucher program. And so that's a godsend for them. Uh, and so I want to make sure that we continue to expand those opportunities because at the end of the day, you expand those opportunities, you, you're expanding the opportunity for success. Speaking of, of in regards to out-of-box thinking and important issues to the community, law and order and criminal justice have been important themes in Virginia campaigns recently. Uh, noticeably, uh, the, parole, the parole board has been a major issue in the attorney general race between A.G. Herrings and Miares. Uh, what do you think is the solution to keep violent criminals off Virginia streets? Yeah, and so for me, justice starts with, you know, the victims of crime. And I believe that we do that by making sure that our law enforcement has the, the training and the resources that they need. We need to make sure that our law enforcement has training in de-escalation, in unconscious bias, in mental health, uh, how to deal with those situations. Uh, and, but they need to have that funding in order to do that. There's been a lot of talk here recently about defunding law enforcement and, and defunding public safety. And that's had tragically the predictable results where we've seen a 23% increase in homicides in Virginia year over year. We're actually at a 20 year high. You know, our communities are, are suffering right now. Um, and I can tell you one of the things as a Marine, which was very frustrating, was we would get told all the time, do more with less. Well, our communities can't do more with less. Uh, they, they need help now. And so I think making sure that our law enforcement has the, the training that they need to be successful um, is, is step one. Step two is you know, making sure that I, as a delegate, 
work with all sides on this issue. Um, you know, when it comes to law enforcement and getting their perspective, also the perspective of local communities, you know, of the neighborhoods which are being served by this law enforcement. Uh, also in working with subject matter experts and, and seeing, you know, what the data says and where we should be prioritizing our efforts. Um, I also think mental health plays a lot into this. And we've seen a, a massive, you know, hit to our mental health services here in Virginia over the past year and a half, where at one point this year, five of the eight mental health facilities that we had statewide were actually shut down because they couldn't afford to keep staff on. Uh, and so I think working uh, in the General Assembly and with local, uh, local government, local organizations to increase our mental health capacity uh, to provide those services, especially down at the local level where they are most needed and most responsive is one thing that we can do to also take the burden off of law enforcement and also helps the community as a whole. In your mind, what is a what does a public safety reform bill look like? Uh, what would you want to be included? What would you need to change the way the public safety has been uh, handled so far? I think really the biggest thing that we've seen is the the rhetoric has been so extreme that first things first, we need to dial things back down a bit. Um, I think we need to understand that at the end of the day that you know law enforcement doesn't want bad police either uh, because that re reflects poorly on them and and you know nobody wants that. Uh, and so, you know, for me, it's it's about coming at it from a from a pragmatic, you know, understanding of things, uh, looking looking at the data and looking at what works and what doesn't. Uh, and so, that's going to form a lot of my mindset. And you know, really, it's it's talking from, you know, bringing in the subject matter experts again, from bringing in you know representatives of the community, from bring, from taking those things into consideration and understanding. And really, it's also about remembering that law enforcement, when we're actually talking about it, really is more so of a local uh, issue. It's something where the more that we're able to, to drive these issues you know, down, these services down to their local parts where you can be more responsive and more receptive uh, to change, that's a good thing. I think a lot of the mistakes that we see sometimes is we're going to make a, you know, some things you have to do statewide, and that's that's is what it is, because of course. But this idea of we're going to have massive sweeping changes, you know, sometimes at the state level or, or even at the federal level. Well, you know, law enforcement and public safety has always been more of a local issue to begin with. So I want to make sure that we do what we can to provide those resources at the local level where they can best be served. Um, now, that means we got to be efficient with it. That means there has to be proper oversight because we're, you know, we're spending the taxpayers dollars. So we want to make sure that we're, we're getting our money's worth and it's going to the right places. But I think that's one of the biggest roles that we can have when it comes to that. And just given your personal experience and being, you know, a, you know, a veteran and having had a family member who served in public service, it sounds like you really have that that grounded understanding of what needs to happen, and you know, have a you know positive solution in order to turn things around in terms of criminal justice as well as public safety in Virginia. So I know we're running up a little bit above time, but one thing we like to do with our guests and our candidates, we like to put them through a rapid fire round. Just a few fun questions to just kind of equally base everybody off of, because um, everybody's unique. But these questions kind of get at the you know the basics of, you know, who what makes you in a way. So uh, we're gonna give you a minute. Who cool you are. Yeah, we've so, done we've done the nerd questions. This is this is to see if you can hang. Yeah, this is to see if you can hang with the cool kids. You know the youths. You know, um, yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it fellow youths. All right, this good. <laughs> so I'm gonna kick it over to Mateo. You got a minute on the clock. You're gonna go off of Mateo's count. So are you ready? 
Do it. Favorite fast food chain? Chick-fil-A. Uh, favorite local restaurant? Uh, Armetta's. It's an Italian joint just up the road from me. Uh, you're at a bar with your friends. What appetizer do you order from the table? Spinach and artichoke dip. Favorite sport and sport team? Football, uh, Washington football team. Uh, song that you last listened to? Uh, My Name is Thunder by Jet and the Bloody Beetroots. Any post-COVID vacation plans? Yes. <laughs> last movie seen in theaters? Uh, the Paw Patrol movie. I have an eight-year-old. What era of history is your favorite? Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Uh, you know what? I'll go with the uh, mid-1800s just because of so much change that happened in the country at that time. Brewery or winery? Brewery. Ding, 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 ding. Well done. You survived. I got you with that history question. That was a good one. I, I was a history major, so like the geek out was about to happen. And you're in good company. We, we're, no, we're, I know that. We're fellow history nerds as well, so... Uh, we love our histories. Yeah. So um, before we put a kibosh on it and just wrap things up today, anything you want to, the floor is yours right now. So any shout outs you want to give folks, anything our listeners should know uh, as we get down the final stretch before election day. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, first and foremost, shout out to my wife, Nikki, again, for putting up with me uh, and letting me do all this. Uh, she is my guiding star on my rock. And like I said, I couldn't do this without her. Uh, I know that we do actually have a deployment that we are doing with uh, the young Republicans here in Virginia uh, next weekend, the 16th and the 17th. Um, so if folks are interested in that, they can uh, hop on over to uh, our website, benbaldwinva.com. Uh, so that way they can get signed up and volunteer. Like I said, we'll have happy to have you. The more the merrier. And that's how these things are going to be won is with boots on the ground. And you're in a tight race. It's going to be coming down to the wire. I've seen the news. It's very competitive. You're in it to win it. Uh, so, Ben, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Really enjoyed talking to you. And hopefully we can bring you back with some good news post-November. Thank you, guys. Happy to be here. Well, what a fantastic episode, folks. Ben Baldwin, tremendous class act, wishing him best of luck in his race. But thankfully, you don't have to wish him luck. You can actually go and give him your time and money. His website is benbaldwinva.com, and he does Saturday canvassing. Get on out there and show our boys some love. Just a reminder, at the end of the episode, our social media is at JoinDCYRs on Facebook and at DCYRs on Twitter and Instagram. If you just want to hear about the District Download, you can follow us on Instagram at District Download. If you like the show, please tell your friends. Podcasts are best spread by word of mouth. And if you have any guest recommendations, please feel free to DM the channel. We always love to crowdsource ideas when we can. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Have a great week.